About 10 days ago, in the middle of the night, I received a phone call from a husband and wife. I knew them from a former assignment, a couple of assignments ago. They were on their way from Omaha to a hospital in Missouri and desperately trying to figure out how to get a hold of a priest there. They have four kids. Uh, the oldest is a daughter, and then a set of twins, and then the youngest is another son. Last time I saw that whole family was about eight years ago at their graduation. They were on their way to see one of the twins. Both of them had been at the Chiefs game. The twins had been there last Thursday. And on their way to their vehicle after the game was over, without any other indication, one of the twins, who's in his 20s, pulled up short of breath and said he needed to rest, and his brother thought we're only a few hundred feet from the car, and then collapsed. And despite the hospital's best efforts, was never revived. Terrible tragedy. You can imagine how distraught the family is, was. We had his funeral on Friday. He was buried yesterday in Nebraska. His dad said, it was the happiest I had ever seen him. Bittersweet. Happy that he had come to that point in his life and sad that it had been cut so short. And what do we hear in our first reading? Remember your last days, set enmity aside. Remember death and decay and cease from sin. Mortality provides perspective. But it's not just mortality that Sirach was writing about. It's not just mortality. It's in the context of sin. In Greek, that word means missing the mark. It's like an archer with a bow and an arrow. And the arrow is offline, misses the mark. What he's suggesting is that the goal, the end of life, the point, sheds light on how to live well, not spend your days in vain. Remember death and decay and cease from missing the mark. Don't misspend your life. Dispense with anger, resentment, bitterness, complaining, pettiness, selfishness. How do any of these correspond to your final end, the goal of your life? Parents, I think you, like all of us, must ask this regarding yourself, but also for your children. If they walked out of here and collapsed with only minutes to live, what would you later look back and wished that you had given them? Seek that with all your strength. Yesterday I listened to a homily of Bishop Barron. Um, 
I don't regularly do that. I'm glad I did. And he's the founder of Word on Fire Ministries, popular preacher. And he focused his homily on the second reading. And he said that in many ways, the whole of Revelation, the whole of the Bible, the whole point of human existence is summed up there. None of us lives for oneself and no one dies for oneself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. My mind and its prerogatives, he said. My will and its desires. None of us live for oneself. He said it's so important because everything in our culture works against this. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's about your prerogatives. It's about your choices. Life is all about you. It's no wonder Christianity is unpopular. It has a vastly different view of the human person and our place in this world. And then he relayed some of the research that he'd come across regarding initiation rituals of primal peoples across cultures. It sounds strange. But he said, across the board, they involve a stripping away of the self-regarding child and moving that child into the far greater space of powers that transcend him or her. He said, for example, that typically in these rites, a young man is ripped away from his home. Maybe in the middle of the night, he's taken out of his sleep. He's scarred in some way. That is, a physical mark is left as a reminder of this transformative event. He's initiated into the lore and the history of the tribe, but then in a culminating moment, he's brought out into nature. This could be a mountainside or the jungle, depending on the location, and he's told to survive, to make his way. And only after surviving this natural challenge in which he comes into contact with the power of God is he to return to the tribe and function as an adult. He said the initiation ritual is meant to tell the young man first, life is hard. Second, you're not that important. Thirdly, you're not in control. Fourthly, you are going to die. And finally, your life is not about you. Now you can see how all of these are opposed to the life of a child in which everything is about him or her, food, shelter, attention, everything. The initiation rites are saying, unless you're shaken out of this way of being, you'll never mature. Bishop Barron then went on to note how in so many ways our culture is keeping our kids immature in this sense. Life is all about you, your wants, your desires, how you've been offended, how you must hold on to that. And he said, one of the clearest signs of this are the safe spaces our culture is becoming obsessed with. He said, of course, we need a degree of safety if we're going to be psychologically sound. But he said, look how childish a desire that is. That's what children need and want, safety. But then he said this, it's a great quote. 
a religion that places before our eyes someone nailed to the cross is not a religion that places a high premium on safety. What do we put a premium on? Accepting the spiritual adventure of following God's will, which is dangerous and requires real courage and is invariably hard and involves the fact that your life is not about you. And if you discover this, happy will you be. Notice they're all the markers of those primal initiation rituals. You know, I thought that was quite good. It shed some lights on the countercultural omega point of this life. Remember death and decay. Set childish and petty ways aside. You are imperfect as we all are. The way to transcend your limitations is not to point out those of others, but to forgive them as you have been forgiven, which opens the way forward. Forget not your last days. Organize your life accordingly. 